10-5 touchdown, Arkansas State. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Amir, coast to coast, lays it home with the right hand, and he's fouled. Welcome to the Second to None podcast, the A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and... Brad Bobo. And we welcome you in once again to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. This the post-Thanksgiving, post-football season edition of the podcast. A-State football season coming to an end over the weekend, the season finale against Texas State. It was senior day, and I guess before we get into the game, We'll talk about the seniors. 15 seniors ended up being honored the other day. We knew of 11 going in, kind of going through the list here. E.J. Alexander, Caleb Bonner, Jeff Mario Brown, Dahu Green, Alan Lamar, Jojo Azugu, Ross Painter, Ivory Scott, Nora Dean said Nolly, Pili Tuatavake, and Jacob Still. We knew all 11 of those guys were going to be honored before the game. On Saturday, and by the way, Jacob still making his school record 53rd career start. Now, it was cool to see the kind of recognition for him leading up to the game. It was. Well, he and I did the, a pregame interview, and it's just, I mean, I just love sitting talking to the guy. You would think that he was born in Jonesboro. And he was out at Live with the Red Wolves on Wednesday night. We had a packed house for the last show of the year, and he was our player guest, had never seen a player after their interview got finished get a standing ovation before. (laughs) But he got a standing ovation, and the ones who started it were his buddies on the offensive line. They all showed up at the show the other night, too. So that was pretty cool. That And, and I got to tell you, the uniform reveal video last week. Oh, my gosh. I, I, and that was borderline emotional. It was. And props to the folks over at football who put that together because they knocked it out of the yeah, park. Yeah, they did. I mean, that'll, that'll be hard to beat. So it was interesting that uh, – you know, your center who uh, end up, you'll not start in half the season comes in and he's really kind of the, the star of the show, the, the emotional focal point of the week. Now, four more players ended up being honored before the game that could have come back with that extra COVID year available to them, but they decided not to. Justin Dutton, Wyatt Lubke, Hunter Morton, and Ernie Ramirez all honored as well and I kind of got the backstory on how coach Jones got a lay that he actually wore during the Uh senior day ceremony Pili Tuatavake's mom actually came before the ceremony put it on him so that's why he was wearing that throughout the course of the senior day ceremony just could have assumed that or thought that that there would probably be the, the connection there that's not what these lays you get party supply store or something that's the real deal there the that, real thing that looks more like what they put on the horse if you win a kentucky derby and i told him i said it, it looked good coach i mean and <laughs> he had that for all the senior day pictures that he ended up taking the other day so uh, a neat little twist it was good to see those guys get honored before the game and as far as the game itself I was kind of having flashbacks early on to what happened last season in San Marcos because it ended up being a shootout 
in that game and Texas State won 47-45 but you know Texas State comes out they score on their opening drive but A-State answered right back good opening drive for the Red Wolves ended with a 39-yard touchdown pass to Dahu Green. Now Reed Tyler motions becomes an H-back on that left side. Lane Hatcher steps up in the pocket going deep over the middle for Dahu caught. Touchdown Dahu Green from 39 yards out. And it was good to see Dahu have such a good game on senior day. I think he yeah. had five catches for 81 yards and you know, he made some big time blocks downfield. He played as well as we can remember him during his time at A State. Yeah, college football sure was the, the long and winding road for Dahu Green. And I know it didn't go the way he certainly would have thought it would, you know, coming out of high school. Um, but it was good to see it end on a proper note for him. You know, and then early on, as you said, you just you go trading punches. I know you're talking about seven seven there, but when they go score again, you're right. It did bring back shades of the game last year, but it's surprising because I really thought, and I you can tell Coach Jones did too that his team's going to come out and play really well Saturday, and for all the steps forward the defense had taken over the last. You know, three weeks or so leading up to that point, those first two possessions were kind of a step back. Kind of some old habits pop back up. Yeah, Texas State ended up scoring on their second drive as well. So it's 14-7 with just under six minutes to go in the first quarter. But after that, the defenses seemed to settle in. They got more comfortable. A-State did get a Blake Groupie field goal from 23 yards out that cut it to 14-10. It was 17-10 Bobcats at the half. But then in the second half, a couple of Blake Groupie field goals from 22 yards each. And you can tell just by the distances that we're rattling off here, Mm -hmm. that was the story. And you look at the final stat sheet, and without seeing the score, you see the Red Wolves did not turn the ball over. They outgained Texas State 471 to 333. They had 11 more first downs than the Bobcats. The time of possession was over 35 minutes for A State. You would have thought A State won this game by a couple of touchdowns. Yep. But it came down to the red zone. Well, an extra point is the equivalent of a 20 yard field goal. So when you got, when your kicker's out there kicking from 22 and 22 and 26, you know, as Coach Jones said on his post game, those are all those are all in possessions where you had it first and goal. One of them you had it second and goal from the one and kicked yeah. a field goal, a twenty two yarder. Yeah, second and goal from the one there in the second half, and then two negative plays back to back after that, you end up having to kick the field goal. So Three trips inside the red zone for the Red Wolves. You kick three field goals. Texas State had two trips inside the red zone. They came out with a couple of touchdowns. And still, A-State had a chance. A little over two minutes to go. You're down 24-16. to It comes down to a fourth and seven play. Lane Hatcher then finds Corey Rucker over the middle from 26 yards out. Fourth and seven for the Red Wolves from the Texas State 26. Three receivers, twins left. Perry in the backfield with the quarterback, Lane Hatcher. Three down lineman for Texas State. Hatcher throws it over the middle. Caught Rucker inside the 20. 15, 10, 5. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, Corey Rucker. So that cuts it to 24-22, but 
the two-point try failed. And, hey, credit to Texas State because they called a timeout the first time, or right before yeah. A-State was about to snap the football. At best, right before. Yeah, it, it was really <laughs> close to the snap. Texas State didn't like something they saw. They call timeout, and then after the timeout, they're able to get a, a pass breakup on the goal line. And I'm sitting here in my booth thinking, and and some part of Jake Spavadol was thinking this too. I, I thought it way back at the start of that possession when A State got it down eight. As part of the ESPN Plus broadcast, we had we did a Zoom call with Coach Spavadol earlier in the week, and he made the comment at one point said, "I don't think we can win if a game doesn't go overtime because they had three wins on the year. Two of them had been in overtime. They'd won uh, overtime games again. So a disproportionate." amount of his wins at texas state have come in overtime and when arkansas state had the ball down eight i sure thought that's where we were headed again the defense still manages to give a state a chance you're down two after missing the two-point try you still have all three of your timeouts at that point but the defense forces a three and out and as it turned out a state only had to burn one, one. timeout when they got it back you only need the field goal, 55 seconds left, and you've got two timeouts. Yeah, false start, a hold, and all of a sudden, I mean, they're just, it's playing right to Arkansas State's hands. You said saved all this time. And remember, that possession started with a nine-yard run. It was going to be second and one, and Coach Jones didn't call timeout because he thought there's no sense in burning one on second and one. They're going to get a first down. And then they started going backwards and make a couple of stops. And all of a sudden, you, you only had to take one timeout in the entire possession. Dahu Green made a great catch right in front of the A-State sideline for a first down at one point. You, you drive all the way down to the Texas State 30. You're set up third and one, and you get knocked back a yard. Sets up fourth and two from the 31-yard line. And then it was decision time for Butch Jones. Do you go for it on fourth and two, try to give yourself a better chance at a field goal, or do you run down the clock, call timeout with just a couple of seconds left, and send Blake Groupie out to try to attempt the field goal? And and the latter is what yeah. A-State elected to do. And obviously you've got very little time to make that decision. You know, Coach Jones just decided we're going to roll this thing out for one play. He's in normal day, Blake Groupie range, no problem. He's going to punch that thing through and you're going to win the football game. This just wasn't a normal day. Now, it wasn't close to the windiest A-State-Texas State game. Uh, No. But it was windy. Yeah, four years ago, that game in Jonesboro saw 50 to 60 mile an hour wind gust. We've never seen anything like it. Most miserable. I mean, I've stood cold and rain and all that. And I've told you, most miserable sideline I've ever been on was that Texas State game. In this case, the wind was gusting between 25 and 30 miles an hour most of the game, but Blake was going against the wind. And I guess if if he's going to have a shot at making that field goal, it's going to have to stay low. It's going to have to be a low-line drive, and it got up in the air a little bit too much, I'm sure, for Blake's liking and ended up falling short. You talked about it the way you guys probably sounded going into that field goal attempt and i don't know how pete cordelli and i sounded but we knew to, we just we did make the comment in our little brief post game this is not about the field goal blake group he missed it's about the three he had to come in and make look at the way that game plays out you turn one of those threes into a seven and we're having a different conversation about the momentum a state's got going into the offseason 
That was the story. Now, if you're looking for a positive here, three straight games to end the season, the A-State defense holds an opponent under 30 points, and you hold Texas State to 24 the other day. Yeah, and they knocked a lot of yardage off What the, even before this game. They had knocked 100 yards off what they were giving up a game. They had knocked 40 yards off what they were giving up a game rushing, including the fact that you'd played Georgia State and App, you know, two of the better running teams in the league or in the country in that span. So the defensive numbers were trending in the right direction. You know, In 2021, if you go out there and you give up 24 points, you think you're going to win that football game. Texas State wins it 24-22. A-State finishes the season with a record of 2-10. and 10. We'll talk more football a little bit later, but when we come back, we'll talk about what happened in the world of A-State hoops over the weekend. That's coming up next here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. So get more control, more convenience, and more peace of mind with your Simmons Bank debit and credit cards. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Well, football was going on Saturday, but it was also a very busy weekend for the A-State basketball teams and for the a-state men they were at home and this is the second time in the last three years that the red wolves have hosted one of these multi-team events which is is neat i'm glad that coach Bellato was able to set this up but it was the collegeinsider.com eracism invitational the red wolves had some good like opponents to go up against yeah. over the weekend. Two quality opponents in Moorhead State and Kansas City. Two teams that would be, you know, I think you could comfortably say be top half of the Sun Belt in each case. And, and certainly in Moorhead's case, they would, you know, be a team to contend to win the Sun Belt for sure. So really, no matter what the results were, you were going to get something out of this weekend. You will get things you could call back on because it was this weekend. All three of those teams, by the way, because Moorhead and Kansas City could say the same thing. They're coming again playing two other like teams. So all three of these teams benefited. Kansas City went zero and two. They benefited from the weekend. It'll get them ready for Summit League play, and they were they got a little banged up as that weekend went along. But a state, this was a good field. As it turns out, you know the return for Moorhead and that trip that got thrown together last minute last year when they're on the road yep. taking on Marshall and and then you know they come out and got hit in the mouth Friday and then didn't respond very well yeah I was really looking forward to this game because I knew it'd be a good test for a state and again Moorhead to their credit they played fantastic and they were coming off a season last year where they won 23 games and went to the NCAA tournament after winning the Ohio Valley Conference Tournament, picked second in the OVC this year, and they were led by the preseason player of the year in their league, and Janai Broom. And <laughs> look, 
the similarities with him and Norshad O'Meara were, were quite something. And I know you put something out on yeah. social media the day of the game, which I thought was very good, just kind of putting them head-to-head. Both of them were freshmen of the year in their respective leagues last season. Both of them were the preseason players of the year in the Sun Belt and the OVC. So we thought it'd be a very good ball game, but you're right. Moorhead came out punched the Red Wolves in the mouth early, and it seemed like they just had the advantage from the start, and they end up winning 75-51. to And we talk about the other player for Moorhead, Janai Broom. He looked like a guy that belongs at the next level. I mean, he, he was outstanding the other day. 20 points, nine rebounds, and six block shots. And I think the six blocks were kind of indicative of how the game went. Anytime A-State tried to get inside, uh, he was there. He might have blocked six shots. He changed 16. And that, that 20 points, he didn't get to the free throw line. That's 10 of 11 from the field. The presence he had, you know, it was interesting to see. I, I'm going to take North Shadowmere any chance I can, right? I love that kid, and he's a phenomenal player. But you, you saw kind of the mental impact it had on him. He shot more fadeaways Friday night than I, I, he probably has in his career at Arkansas State. And – He's not at his best in that scenario. He needs to be He's used inside. to be in, yeah, the hammer, not the nail. Yeah, Norshad finished with nine points and eight rebounds. Which, again, is funny. On a day-in and day-out basis, how many guys would you like to be able to put out there and know they're going to get you nine points and eight rebounds? Oh, yeah. And we're sitting here talking about, well, he's real struggle. <laughs> I mean, it's a credit to the kid because he didn't play a very good game and he had nine points and eight rebounds. You know, A-State knew they didn't play their best game. On the flip side, you give Moorhead State a whole lot of credit because they came out and played fantastic. You have a quick turnaround. You take on a, a good Kansas City team on Sunday afternoon. Kansas City had lost the night before to Moorhead State in a fairly close game. They lost by eight points, but they were less than two weeks removed from going into Columbia and defeating Missouri by 14 points. Yeah. So you knew this was a very talented team, and I thought A-State came out with just a whole different level of energy. It sure was. I mean, it, on the, the defensive end, yeah, the, the energy level was just completely different. You know, it was a great response for Coach Bellato's team because, you know, they didn't play very well. And then in the, all of them, coach and staff included, kind of shell-shocked, I think, by what happened Friday. So they come back Saturday in a quick turnaround, get on the floor a little bit of practice, and then come back and take it with them onto the court Sunday. Energy levels high. They're out there. For a team, we actually talked about this on our broadcast, but teams, especially this Arkansas State team, they want to get steals and they get out in the open court and throw lobs and everybody can dunk and it's this highlight reel. That's the kind of turnovers you want to force, but nothing fires a team up more than forcing a shot clock violation. And that's a dead ball turnover. You have to inbound the ball. Yeah. You're not going to get to go down the court and throw a lob, but it just does something to a team to force those. And they were doing that. And just, yeah, just a good response. Had to be happy with the way they bounced back. Yeah, I think that was the biggest reaction of the day from 
Coach Mulatto. You saw the big fist pump on the sidelines, and deservedly so. Yeah. The, the defense was fantastic. You hold Kansas City to 42% shooting, and the offense was just in a rhythm all day. They shot 54%, 6 of 9 from three-point range. And really, I thought Desi Sills was the spark plug in this one on both ends of the floor. He ended up with four steals on the day, 18 points, five rebounds and I think he was one for 17 Mm -hmm. from three on the season going into Sunday's game but he was two for three the other night and what helped A-State kind of start to pull away was a big run they had an 11 nothing run early in the second half and I remember Desi knocking down a three to put him up a dozen which really was a big part of that run. It forced Kansas City into a timeout, and A-State had all the momentum after that. Alec works his way inside, forces it up with the left-handed hook shot, no good. Missed it short, A-State with the board. That was caused by some great defense from Norshad O'Meara. Left wing, Desi for three, hits! A-State up a dozen, and Kansas City wants a timeout. I would say about Desi what we said about Janai Broom. If he, he got credit for four steals, but he impacted 14 possessions by the time he was just just hounding folks. Uh, you know, and uh, what's the kid's name? Sam Martin, who I told you before the game was Patrick Mahomes' first cousin. Yeah. When he laid his head on the pillow on the bus, he was still seeing Desi Sills <laughs> all the way on that six-hour ride back to Kansas City. Marquise Davis made his first start of the year, his fifth career start. He finished in double figures with 10 points, four rebounds. And Norshad O'Meara came off the bench for the first time. He finished with 10 points, eight boards in 23 minutes. He only played five minutes in the first half after coming in and picking up a couple of fouls. Seemed much more in control in the second half. Sure did, yeah. Didn't start, then came in and couldn't stay on the floor. And and I think what's as encouraging as anything about this game is the work A-State did without him, quite honestly. I mean, you know, I know he scored or whatever and had a rebound, but essentially a non-factor in the first half. You can essentially say you got nothing out of Norshad in the first half and you're up by seven. I think Antoine Jackson is really playing well right now. Off the bench, he's off to a solid start this year. And, you know, anytime he comes in, you know you're going to get six points and about four rebounds from him, which is – what you need from them in that role. But uh, anytime Norshad gets into foul trouble, it's good to have somebody like Antoine Jackson to come in and uh, pick up the pace for the Red Wolves. And, and he's done that. Uh, A-State now 4-2 and two on the year. They'll be back in action Saturday at 4 when they host Central Arkansas. One other note about these games, of course, I had the call on the radio side, mm-hmm. but you were doing it uh, on ESPN+. And with our good buddy and former A-State women's coach, Brian Boyer. How'd you like doing that? I've waited a long time to do that. There will be some times he's coming back. I think he's back. uh, He told me he's back on the 21st, whoever that is. We talked about that after the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then there are some conference weekends where he'll come back and be able to do, you know, Thursday, Saturdays with me. So uh, I've been looking forward to that for a long time. Talk him into trying that some last year when they did it remote. He and Roger Twible were in a studio in Kansas City for a couple of games, and he took to it quickly. People enjoyed hearing it, and so I've, I've been waiting for a long time for the chance for us to do one of those together. Meanwhile, the women's team was very busy last week. They actually had a stretch of four games in seven days where they played two back-to-backs. 
They won the games early in the week. They won at Southeast Missouri on Monday, then won at home the following night against the University of the Ozarks. But they <laughs> what, now, what are you laughing at? Not hard work, you. <laughs> but this is how. But it really should be a little embarrassed by this. But like, it's like lunchtime on the day of the game. Before I realized they're not even playing the team I thought they were playing. I was there and they're talking about the College of the Ozarks. Yeah. They were playing the University of the Ozarks. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I wouldn't have known there were two different schools there either. <laughs> A State won that game Tuesday. So the Red Wolves then went on the road and played a couple of games in Tulsa uh, this past weekend, and, and they dropped both of them, falling to Oral Roberts on Saturday, then lost to Abilene Christian on Sunday. So, again, that wraps up a four-game and seven-day stretch. They're now sitting at 4-4 four and four on the year. Yeah, and I saw some of Coach Daniels' comments uh, following the, the Abilene game. By the way, Abilene knocked off Little Rock and A-State out there at at Oral Roberts and Little Rock's been playing good. They've got a somehow Coach Foley went and found a kid that's been just tearing it up. Some about player of the week. The first two weeks they did it, a transfer out of Grayson College came in was averaging like twenty eight a game at Little Rock. Wow. But uh, anyway, I, Coach Daniel, he, his comments for his team had sort of lost a little of its swagger almost, and he wasn't sure why, but that. You know, he thought there would be something that they could kind of come back and turn that into a positive. Because this, I mean, this is a team that's that's been fun to watch. They've got some you know, young, talented guards. Uh, they they really do. And Jaira Washington's working her way back in. And Trinity Jackson's playing at another level. She had another double double uh, against Abilene. So you know, I know they're not happy with the results. But if, if you haven't seen that women's team, you should you should check them out. I mean, they they are pretty fun to watch. Just one game this coming week for the women. They'll be at home on Thursday night as they host Northwestern State. We've got more to come here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. As we wrap things up, kind of want to turn back to football because Mm -hmm. this is a big stretch here and there's a lot going on in the world of college football of course we we need to buckle up because it's transfer season and the transfer portal i think is about to take on a life of its own and unlike anything we've ever seen before i mean we saw it to a certain degree last year but now more transfers than ever with the one-time transfer rule in effect oh gosh yes and as we sit here you know it's already been a a busy i've spent a fair amount of time on this monday morning on uh and one i'm looking at is the it's the ncaa transfer portal twitter feed but it's from rivals it's at rivals portal they try to keep up with guys going in you know as they go in and busy monday there just to try to see who you know i mean texas state had before we sat down here on monday morning they'd already had guys go in guys that by the way made plays i mean travis graham had a very nice game here Saturday. Yeah, caught went a into, touchdown. Went into the portal. You know, their kicker, Jacob Bates, who 
I think it already transferred in there from Arkansas. He went into the portal. Yeah, this will be a, a moving thing for a while. Heck, you know, Spencer Rattler had already gotten into the portal. This was the Heisman betting favorite going into the season. We talk about players on the move, coaches certainly on the move as well. And I guess since the start of the season, over 20 openings in FBS football and three of them in the Sun Belt. Now, Georgia Southern has already hired Clay Helton. Mm-hmm. But now we have openings at Troy with Chip Lindsey out and Billy Napier finally moving on yeah. after a remarkable four-year stretch in Lafayette. He moves on to Florida, and congratulations to him. And every time we've, we've met with him on Sunbelt Media Day, I've always enjoyed it. And I know he's done things the best way he possibly yeah. could down there in And Lafayette. you said finally, and I mean, listen, I mean, I... I'm thrilled by that news, and it's the utmost respect for Billy Napier and the job he did there. And he's coaching them Saturday in the championship game, which he came out, you know, in a in a media availability Monday for the Sun Belt title game, and said, in terms of anybody, I guess he was talking with about another job, coaching the Cajuns in the Sun Belt championship game was his his exact words were that was non negotiable, and so keeping his regular schedule down there this week. And said he'll do Florida stuff early in the morning and late at night. But the rest of the week, he's on his regular schedule getting ready to, to host the Sun Belt title game Saturday. And again, they've been in that game several times the, the last three years, but they have not won. Now, they, they played in it his first two years yeah. there. They were scheduled to play in it last season against Coastal Carolina, but that game was scratched due to COVID. So another opportunity here for them to finally win a championship. And the other funny thing about coaching season here so far, obviously on this Monday as we record this, has been uh, the reaction of the Oklahoma fan base. They've not experienced this. Like, right, I mean, if you're Arkansas State, you're a group of five, whatever, if you get a coach that's come in and done these great things, you know the drill. It comes this time of year and you're just – you're always tense about who's coming after your coach. Well, Oklahoma hadn't dealt with that. So Oklahoma hasn't had a head coach leave for another college job since 1947, and they're not handling it very well. Well, there's been almost every other school in the country that's had to deal with that between 1947 and now. So OU's getting its turn. It's the second time of late that USC has caused – someplace to just completely melt down it reminds me of what tennessee was like when usc hired lane kiffin and how berserk they went in knoxville you got similar type things happening in norman today the a-state football staff will be changing dalton hilliard is out he's uh taking a job with his old mm-hmm. college coach jim mora coach mora coached dalton hilliard at ucla of course he was here as the corners coach this past season but he's moving on to uconn with coach mora uh, there will be another change on the a-state staff that we know of and uh you know, not going to discuss that here until that's uh, announced publicly, but it's something to be expected. There's going to be transfers from the football team player-wise, so you can expect that with Arkansas State and any other program in the country. And, and Butch Jones came out after the game Saturday, and he said, look, if they're not all in, we respect their decision if they want to move on. But he's looking for players that, that are all in, that are already here at Arkansas State. And we've talked about it before here. 
We've never seen a staff recruit quite as hard as what this coaching staff has ever since they set foot yeah. on campus. But the next two weeks are extremely critical for uh, this football program. You know, there are uh, – I would be willing to bet at any time of the day you can walk in that building and somewhere up and down that hall – there's somebody, and there's really going to be more than one somebody who's sitting there watching film on a recruit. Whether that's an assistant coach you know, a position coach you know, somebody you recognize, or somebody you've never seen or heard of before that's working in there. Somebody's always working on recruiting. And I'm excited for December 15th to get here to see you know what how that pays off. Now, because of the number of you know kind of blue shirts, gray shirts, whatever you want to call it, you know, Butch Jones sort of he, he'll even tell you his staff at Tennessee were the ones that sort of learned how to kind of work that system with the blue shirts of bringing the guy in and counting them in the class ahead. They were kind of out front on that. But as a result, they're not going to be able to sign. In theory, you could go sign 32 guys this year. You're 25 initial counters and seven more to replace guys in the portal. Well, they're not going to be able to sign 32 because you got a lot of guys that are already in this program that count in this class coming up. You want to obviously bring in the high school players, and Coach Jones has talked a lot about that publicly. But at the same time, they know they have some needs they have to address immediately. And whether they do that through junior college players or through the transfer portal, you have some obvious needs that that need to be addressed right away. Yeah, I would think you're going to see some – transfer portal offensive lineman for sure and quite honestly if you go out and if they like the young guys they're signing then i would expect maybe you even see some graduate transfer offensive linemen that's a spot where they got to get some guys that can walk in the door and help them because it's the least likely spot for a high school guy to get on the field as he called it, that's a de- developmental position. You bring an offensive lineman in, you sign them in a high school with the hopes that they're playing in two or three years. They're still going to do some of that. They're absolutely going to sign some high school offensive linemen, but they got to have some guys at that spot that can help them right now. And look, with college football free agency the way it is, which is basically what it is, you're trying to re-recruit some of your own players Kavon Bennett's one of those guys. He's got a year remaining of eligibility. And when I talked with Coach Jones on Friday, he said, you know, he had been meeting with the Bennett's, you know, his dad, Cornelius, included in that discussion. And, you know, I think Kavon is leaning towards staying at Arkansas State. Now, there could be a good chance that Kavon Bennett is not necessarily playing defensive end next year. And, that makes a whole lot of sense. Kavon Bennett, with his stature the way it is, his best chance of going to the NFL is as an outside linebacker. So don't be surprised if Kavon Bennett, number one, is back next year. And number two, that he's not a defensive end. He's more in a linebacker role. And you know Cornelius Bennett knows way more than enough people in the National Football League to get a sense of – what they think about Kavon right now. And by the way, Butch Jones will help in that information too. I mean, they're going to see – I'm sure they're – both ends of that deal are looking at what are the NFL guys saying about him. So that's somebody they 
think is draftable right now, or do they want to see a year where, yeah, he's not going to be a guy that's going to have on have his hand on the ground all the time in the NFL. So you're right. You know, if we're going to see KB back, and hopefully we will, it'll be standing back there as a linebacker who you can still walk up to the line of scrimmage and let him chase the quarterback whenever you need to. You got anything you need to get off your chest well, before we get out of here? Not necessarily. Um, couple of things here and, and bo- both of these were things I put out on social media i had somebody i was at a function i will tell you i was at because uh, i want to mention this i was at a retirement reception for randy knowles saturday night mm-hmm. and i and i want to mention him here because he's done a heck of a job at arkansas state 21 years started out as the equipment guy at football and really for every sport transitioned to his role at facilities and I think the world of Randy Knowles, who's retiring, coming up here uh, right after the first of the year. And so at a at a retirement reception for him on Saturday night, I had a person come up to me and say, did we lose five one-possession games this season? And I said, no. <laughs> I said, no, nah, I don't. I wouldn't think so. Well, then we started counting them up. So, well, Memphis was a one-possession game. Tulsa was a one-possession game. Lafayette, a one-possession game. Georgia State, a one-possession game. Texas State a one-possession game. I never, ever would have thought that. And I tweeted this out. I said this. You know, when you go through a season like that and the the losses are piling up, in your head they just feel like they're all beatdowns, that they were just games – they were all run into each other, and it's almost felt like the games you didn't have a chance to win. Never would I ever – and you and I saw every snap of every game, and never would I ever, when it was over, thought back that half of those losses were in one-possession games. And I did see you put that out, and I hadn't put that together either. I mean, there were some opportunities there to where, you know, two or three of those go your way, then maybe that turns the the entire yeah, momentum but, of the season around. Of course, and so, and this is not a rant. When I put that tweet out, there was no doubt in my mind, at some point, there are certain things you can tweet and you just know what reply it's going to get. And at some point, somebody was going to tweet back at you that, you know, that you were trying to claim that as a moral victory. And when somebody did tweet that at me, it didn't even, it didn't make me mad because I knew it was coming and it's not what I was doing. I'm telling you, I was there all day, every day. And I didn't know that. Somebody yeah. came up and asked me if that was the deal. I was like, no, nah, they didn't lose five, one possession games because it just didn't feel that way. It legitimately surprised me. So you know, I'm not. There's no claim about a moral victory there. I, I just failed to realize that there is many games kind of as as winnable as it turned out there was. Because it, it, be honest with you, it just felt like you were getting beat bad. All yeah, the time. you remember those games, the ones like App and Coastal and Washington. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that, that kind of stood out because of the way they did get out of hand but you're right this team wasn't that far off in a lot of these games and it came down to little things and case in point the red zone efficiency that we saw this past Saturday and that was the one more than anything and you if you want to you know coach Jones habitually talked about you know with being a line of scrimmage game and then that is true but if you even deeper than that that subset and it's been something that quite honestly I mean how many Years of we've sort of had that same conversation that Arkansas State this offense could fly up and down the field between the twenties, but get in the red zone and have trouble finishing the thing. That at the end of the day is kind of a it really sort of is an offensive line thing in terms of ability to just lean in there and run the football when yep. you run out of real estate. And that's not and listen, 
I'm not talking about the talent level of the guys that play. Give me, give me Jacob Steele all day, every day. And these guys love Andre Harris and all these. I'm not talking about the talent level. At the end of the day, what you're going to see, we may not get more worlds more talented on the offensive line. They're going to get bigger. Mm-hmm. You can bank on that. They're going to get bigger people playing the offensive line than this team has had. There's zero doubt about that. Butch Jones has said what he's looking for are large humans. Yeah. And so, and and that's and, and that's not maybe what everybody else was looking for, right? I mean, there's there's more than one way to skin that cat of what you're after and what you need out of an offensive lineman. Well, what Jones wants is big people, hard to move, and that's what he's going to get in here. We always appreciate you listening. We'll join you next week for another Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.